might take a deep breath. I think we're in the season of uncharted waters as a church where we find ourselves continually asking, Lord, what do you want to do now? And I like this. I'll be honest with you. I, I love being in this place. Pastor Jonathan, our founding pastor, taught me years ago. He said, you need to live in over your head, Josh. That way you have to totally rely on him. Hear me say that again. For us as a church, we've endeavored for 40 years and for the next 40, we're, we're going to live in over our head and what we can manage so that we can always rely back on him and say, Lord, you brought us out this far and from here on out it's sink or swim, but we trust in you. And I, I believe this, if that's the posture of our heart, he'll take us to destinations and locations that some have only dreamed about being. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles or get your notebooks. I want to just share for a few minutes. You want to just stay with me? Will y'all give it up for Bianca? I feel like if you leave, then I'm by myself. So all these people are looking at me. Now they're looking at you. I want to take a few minutes and you'll have to reset my clock, production people, because I don't know how much time we have now. I want to look at Galatians 5 today, and obviously this service has gone a completely different direction than I intended, so if you want the full service, go back and watch first service. <laughs> We're talking about our mandate, love all, serve all, and that's the assignment the Lord's given us for the year to love every kind of person. Paul said, I, I loved everybody. I've been all kinds of things that I could serve some that I might win some. And so that's our mandate. We're going to love everybody, every age, every background, every color, every race, from the least to the greatest, from the poorest to the richest, from the darkest to the lightest, those with no kids to the ones that have tons of grandkids. We're going to love everybody. Everybody say everybody. everybody. Last week we talked about the importance of souls. Today I want to talk just for a few minutes. And again, I'll be brief. You can go back and watch first service. But I want to talk about service today and what, why, we, why we serve people. Galatians 5, he said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Everybody say free. free. Just saying about that. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one, anum- one another humbly in love. Everybody say in love. I like the passion version of this. He says, beloved, God has called us to live a life of freedom. But do not view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. For the law can be summarized into one grand statement, demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care for yourself. I've been a part of many churches, grown up in church, been a part of little churches, and then I've been a part of monster mega churches. And the one place that I see a lot of churches get off or take a misstep in their route with the Lord is that they find their freedom and then God begins to draw the lost and then they begin to build their own empire, not his kingdom. They get more focused on building projects than they do building people. They do get more consumed with the 99 than the one. I just want us to refocus for a few minutes today as we gather 
under this mandate, and we talk a little bit about it, that, that we never lose sight of the purpose, the number one purpose of the local church is souls. Everybody say souls. Humanity. But once we've got souls, once we've got people saved, now it's our job and our responsibility to equip them to serve other people. That's the Great Commission. We like to say it this way at IFC. In fact, it's one of our core values. We say it this way, save people. Oh, you guys know this core value. Would you say it with me again? Save people. Serve people. Saved people. Serve people. Now, if you're new to IFC and this is new lingo to you, welcome home. I, I want to encourage you, go to our website, those watching online that are checking us out. We have 10 core values that, as our church has, has moved along through 40 years of ministry. And, and we, we really believe that this is who we are internally. Like, you cut us, this is what we bleed. So this is the cliche for this. This is, this is the way we've designed and orchestrated the church that save people, serve people. You could say it this way. We believe that life is more fulfilling when we serve others. Our focus as a church, it starts right here with the church, extends to our community, and then it goes around the world to the nations. And we say it this way, it's a natural progression of a changed life. How do you know when somebody's changed? Because they tell you? No, because you can see the fruit in their life. You need this, is, this is important for you. You don't have to tell people you've changed. When true change happens, they'll see it in you and they will call it out in you. Just like when you were lost and you were in darkness and then you gave your heart to the Lord, you, you went from dark to a step of light. It was like, man, I've been found. That was a progression. You had to take a step. You had to proclaim with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord. But in that moment, man, you took a step from dark to light. And then once you took on the light and you said, man, I want to be a Christ follower. Now you have the opportunity to take a step and say, well, I want to grow in this faith. And I do that by serving others. As Christians, we're not called to stay the same. We're called to grow. I'll talk about that this next week as we conclude this series. But let me just give you a little preview of next week. Spiritual maturity is not based on church attendance. I've been going to church for 40 years. Okay. Awesome. You got discipline. But that doesn't make you a growing Christian. Growth shows up when we get the spotlight off ourselves and we start to serve somebody else. When we begin to see beyond our little life and we realize, oh my goodness, there's, a, there's nations out there. There's tribes of people that have never heard the gospel. How are we going to serve them? When that happens, that's the indication that growth and true salvation has taken place in our life. I'll say it to you this way. You were saved on purpose for a purpose. To free you, as Rebecca was talking about, so now that you could free somebody else, that's good news. Once you've been saved with a purpose and you've been found, now you have the opportunity to grow spiritually. How do I grow spiritually? You serve others. You exercise the gifts, the talents, and the calling on your life to benefit somebody else. I was thinking about this this morning because I get so excited on Sundays. And I'll be honest, it's not because I'm the pastor of the church. I was excited to come to this church before I was your pastor. In fact, I'll take it way back. Every time I've come to this church, I've been excited because there's something on this church that I didn't see anywhere else. And it was happy people. Like when I showed up, 
like, like 10 years ago, me and Steph came here to come to the women's conference and we walked out, to the, out of the car and there was someone there to open the door and like, hey! And I was like, whoa, what are you doing here? Step back. How y'all doing? I said, how you doing? Come on, this way. We got, man, what's good inside? It's going to be awesome today. I thought, this guy's high as a kite. Nobody that happy at church. And then I walked in and all the Smurfs running around in the blue shirts. It's my favorite group of people, man, because they got the joy of the Lord. It's just all in them. And man, they, they greet you. And, How you doing? Good to see you. First time guest. Want some coffee? Like there was this energy. There was this buzz. Like, like they wanted to be here. What was it an indication of me to me? Was it was it they're good at re, they're, the church is good at recruiting? No, no, no. It was it was this is a growing healthy church. Like that was the thing in my gut, in my spirit, that, that I would leave. What's different about this place versus the last place we visited? And we spoke in this town and we spoke over here, but there's something about different at IFC. What was it? It was, it was, man, there's people that are growing there. Like there's, there's something that's happening there like, and I want to be a part of it and that's why me and my wife moved from, from South Alabama to, to come to be a part of this because I want to be a part of something that's growing. I want to be a part of something that's changing and more than that, I want to be a part of something that's making an impact. And every week when I walk in, I meet people not only in blue shirts but up in kids world, checking kids in and welcoming cranky kids into the classroom. You need to walk in here and the ushers are trying to make sure everybody's got a seat as it gets fuller and fuller every weekend. And you see these people on the cameras and there's a bunch of people in the control room upstairs you can't see. But they're so happy to be here serving. Why? They found their purpose. And they've chosen to, to grow. Here's what, here's what I see when I see the family here serving at IFC. Without words, they're saying things. Here's the first thing I hear. I hear them saying, hey, I'm serving because I'm no longer a slave to my past. I'm not, I'm not where I used to be, and so now I'm of some good use. I, I'd like to get on a team. The second thing I hear when I see people serving is, uh, not only have I found freedom, but hey, I found my purpose. And I think that purpose is often found in tribes. And when you get on a team, your purpose is even discovered a little bit greater because you're serving with people who are wired like you are. The third thing that I hear non-verbally when I see people serving is that I want to grow in my faith. When we choose to serve, we're saying that I, I, my past is done. I, I found freedom on purpose. Now I know my purpose and I want to exercise my faith. Pastor Jonathan, the founding pastor of this church, he, he gave this statement to me years ago and he gave it to us as a church. He said, the value of life is not found in its duration, but in its donation. Oh, I love that. You know, we're all going to go at some point. We're going to go to the other side. And, and on our tombstone, there's going to be a date you were born and a date you died. Pastor Jonathan used to talk about life between the dash. Is it a life that we have navigated just to say, look at what we did? Or to say, look at what we did for somebody else? Because here's the thing, when we discover, it's not about how long you last, it's about what did you do while you were here? So let me give you three reasons why I think it's important that you serve with us at IFC if you're saved. Number one, it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling, I say fulfilling. You know, I've eaten some good food in my life, and at the end of the day, I thought, that was fulfilling, but I, I still had a stomach ache. 
And it didn't move the needle on eternity for anybody. First reason that you should serve others is because it fulfills who you are and who you've been called to be. We've been called out of darkness to help other people. And in that, I find fulfillment, and I know you would too. And then listen, I like stuff just like the next guy. Anybody like stuff? You know, I like, I like old trucks. I like, I like, I, well, I don't even like them. I love old motorcycles. And I've owned quite a few of them. I, I, I'm in love with cabins. I talked about that. You know what makes me happy? I love red wing boots. I grew up with a, with a grandfather who was a hard-working middle American. I love American workwear, denim, anything denim, man, I'm in heaven. I, I, there's, there's natural things that, that bring me happy, and, I, and I'll tell you, I'm happy today. In denim and cool boots, here's the thing, but, but none of this brings me fulfillment. It brings me pleasure. And there's a difference between pleasure and fulfillment. Pleasure is fleeting, it's for a moment. Fulfillment is eternal. I I like stuff like the next person. Let me tell you this, no new car is gonna make you more fulfilled than the old beater you got rid of. It'll be fun, it'll bring joy, but it will not bring fulfillment. That bigger, better house, I I like a big house, that's nice, we got more room, I don't have to hear those screaming kids. They're all upstairs and all the dad said. But here's the thing, Still doesn't bring fulfillment. Some of us were chasing the paper trail or we're chasing the title. Once I become this, then I'll find fulfillment. Once I own the company, I'll be this. Listen, I'm gonna tell you, there's no title and no amount of cash that will ever bring fulfillment because you're not of this world. You're only passing through it. And so I gotta ask you, what are you doing while you're here? If it's not about titles and accumulation of stuff which doesn't go to heaven, then what do we get to take with us? What brings that fulfillment? It's taking others with us on this journey to know Jesus. Serving others brings fulfillment. Here's what happens. You focus on others, your problems shrink. How many of you got problems? How many got 99 problems? All the old people said, what? We all got problems, but here's the thing. The day you start serving others, in one moment's time, your problems go, ain't that big of a deal anymore. When we serve others, our purpose comes into focus. For many people, the number one question I get in conversations over 22 years of ministry, how do I hear God's voice and then how do I discover purpose? I'm going to tell you this. You find your purpose when you serve somebody else. Your purpose will come into focus when you lay aside your plan, your agenda, your 10-year plan, and serve others. Here's what happens. Serving others enriches your life, and serving others transforms your dull life into an extraordinary life. Some of you, you're bored. You're a Christian. You're saved. You're going to heaven, and, and you have a purpose, but you're bored. And you feel like you're stuck in this routine. I want to ask you, how, how much are you, of your week are you serving? How much are you committed of your time and energy and your talents and your treasure to make something happen for somebody else? Because here's what happens. When you do that, that boring life goes away. Because when you deal with church people, man, it gets wild. Turn to your neighbor and say, church people are crazy. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about himself this morning. You can't deal with human beings and, and, and not live an adventurous life. 
And when we interact with each other from the different places we came and the different upbringings we have and we help each other along the way and we form ourselves as a body, man, it gets exciting because I'm no longer just who I used to be. I'm now a part of something bigger. That makes this life exciting. There's nothing in the Gospels that you will find that was boring about Jesus Christ. Zero. He sought to serve and he became the most famous man that ever walked the planet. He tried to hide out. He didn't want to be recognized. He kept dipping away out of the crowd to go pray and get away. He just need some rest, man. Get these people away. And it said that 5,000 people followed him for three and a half years. And yet we have a generation that's focused on the selfie and the followers, and yet they don't want to make any impact. The paradigm has to shift for Christian young people. You're good looking. You don't need to take a selfie. We love you. But let me say this. Get the focus off of you and turn that camera on somebody else that you're helping. And guess what? You'll find yourself rise through popularity and people will want to know you because they'll want to be a part of what you're doing. I was thinking back about uh, our kids and how we're raising our kids uh, to serve people. And, and I was going back in my notes even last night just praying, Lord, what, what, what's some significant things? And I, we have great testimonies. We've been super blessed. 20 years, we've traveled to 20 nations and, and, and we've done some amazing things. God's allowed us to do some fun stuff. Tons of great memories, tons of photos and pictures. But last night I was thinking about in Honduras eight years ago when we took our little boy, Hunter. He's eight now. He was a year and a half at that time. It was right before we moved to International Family Church. And we went to serve at the San Pedro Sula Dream Center just as a family. Steph and I had been married just a couple years, three years, and we got a baby. And we took him to Honduras. People said, that's, that's the murder capital of the world. Are you crazy? And I said, well, God's gonna be with us. He'll be with him too. And I remember taking Hunter by the hand. He just learned to walk. And we walked him down the dirt roads of all these little shanty houses. Some of you have been there. Some of you have been on our trips. And seeing moms cooking for a family of eight in a little bitty cardboard shack or a little fire in there. And my heart breaking, how can we serve this family? How can we help them? And I wanted my son to see that. I wanted him to experience that. And we took some money with us. And they said, hey, we're going to go minister at the hospital tomorrow. And I thought, that'll be awesome. I want to go to the different rooms and pray for people, you know. And we got there. And they said, no, no, we're not praying for people out there. Inside, we're going to be out here because there's thousands of people that live outside the hospital because their loved ones are in the hospital. And they've come from hours and hours away, some of them hundreds and hundreds of miles out of the mountains or from the coast to bring their family here for care. And they just stay at the hospital as long as mom or dad or grandmama's in the hospital. And they said, one of the greatest ways we can serve is just serve them food. They're actually hungry. I said, what can we do with a thousand bucks? And they said, we can do a lot with a thousand bucks. We lined up these tables and they brought the styrofoam containers, these huge pots of rice and chicken and stuff, man. And, and we started just serving little meals. And be, I mean, literally in like 60 seconds, there was a line of people for food. And within a minute and a half, the line was farther than I could see. They were just getting in line and just putting the rice on the plate, some chicken, put a little styrofoam container. And they kept saying, you need to, don't give them so much, you know, because uh, we need to make sure there's enough for everybody. I said, I'm from Alabama. We like to eat a lot. Load that brother up. He's hungry. Look at him. And I'd try and sandwich that thing shut and it'd be chicken be popping out. And, and I remember serving them food and, and then someone would say, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
Dios le bendiga. They would start talking. And say, thank you, thank you. And we'd hand the food out, hand the food out. And I got emotional because they were so passionate about thanking us for the food. It was such a simple thing. And I grabbed Hunter. I picked him up here and I put him in my hand. I gave him the spoon and I helped him serve some food. Such a simple act. In fact, it's probably insignificant to most of us just feeding somebody. I'm going to tell you this, out of all the places we've been, that memory stacks up the highest because in that moment we were more like Jesus than any other moment. He said he took on the troubles of the troubles. He waited right in for the least of them. Philippians 2.4 says, not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Truth is, being satisfied and fulfilled in life will only come through serving others. The second reason I think that you should serve after you get saved is because it allows you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Look around. Like, no, put your head on a swivel. Look around. Look who's sitting behind you. Look who's sitting next to you. Brazilians sit next to Nigerians. Ghanaians sit next to white folk from South Alabama. Got Puerto Ricans. Of course, they're going to get loud. Where's all my Dominicans at? Did you ever think you'd go to a church with anybody that looks different than you? I didn't. I told you, I grew up in South Alabama. My, my dad was a white pastor of a black church. We, we stood out like a sore thumb. I didn't ever know that we would worship with people that look like us. And the truth is, is I never want to. Because when I come here, I, I get to worship with the nations. You know what I, I feel like? And I, I, I give you this so you can get a glimpse. This is, this is what heaven looks like right here. Like all the nations worshiping. What's heaven going to look like? It looks a lot like worship service at IFC on a Sunday morning. Everybody blended together, laying down our cultures and raising up kingdom culture. Serving allows you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Make a note, 1 Corinthians 12. This is your homework for the week. Go read it. Read it out of the Passion Translation. Read it out of the message because he talks about the the body of Christ. It's not one part. It's all these parts mingled together on purpose. And it says that he's done this intentionally so that we would look after the members of each other with mutual concern. I was thinking about the story of Gideon. I love Gideon. I, I love the story of an underdog. I'm an underdog. Someday I'll share a little bit more of my story and how I was raised and ran from God and how I ended up here as your pastor. It's insane. But I love the story of an underdog and the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. It says that there's this weak, puny, little dorky guy. It doesn't say that. That's my paraphrase. (laughs) Hiding in a wine press because he's afraid he's going to get beat up. And the Lord shows up and says, what are you doing in here, mighty man of valor? And he said, who are you talking to? This is Gideon, man. I'm the least of the least. Don't you know me? He said, oh, I know who you are, mighty man of valor. I've called you. You're going to lead this nation to freedom. You're going to raise up an army. And you're going to set Israel free. And he said, man, you better go find somebody else. I done got my butt kicked last week. I'm done fighting the Midianites, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to protect these crops, man. I said, we could eat tonight. And the Lord said, arise, I've already called you. And I'm with you. 
You read the story in Judges chapter 6 for yourself. It's amazing because here's this guy who is hiding, has now been elevated, and all of a sudden God draws thousands and thousands and thousands of warriors to fight with him under his leadership. And we love telling the story of, of Gideon, and we promote Gideon as if he's God's man of, of man of faith and valor. And I believe all that, but let me just say this to you. That army needed Gideon, but Gideon needed that army. God called him, and nothing could be done without him. We get that. But here's the thing. It took thousands of other people to, to rally behind that leader and say, we're with you. Let's go. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And in one moment's time, in one battle, the tides turned and those people lived free. Let me say it to you this way. We need you. And you need us. Oh, they're one of those churches. See, here it is. I knew it. I knew it. They need us. They need something from us. Yeah, we do. You have gifts and talents and abilities and influence and, and treasure and all. Oh, I mean, I could go to time. You've got, you've got skills. You've got stuff in you for a purpose. And here's the thing. It belongs in the body of Christ. So yeah, we need you. But here's the other thing. We, you need us too. Because God's given us a plan of how to reach this region and then continue to spread this all over the world. And it's happening. So here's what I say. You, why, why would you serve? Because you get the opportunity to be a part of something you couldn't do on your own. See, serving allows us to make a difference with a little. Well, Pastor, I don't have a lot to offer. I, 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 don't, have, I don't have that much to, to give. Listen, when you serve in the littlest capacity, it gets added to someone else's little, to someone else's little, and all of a sudden it's insurmountable. It's like, where did all this energy come from? It's our collectiveness. Number three, when you serve, it changes your heart. When you serve, when, when you, when, we talked about this last week, so you, when you get saved, when God finds you, he changes your spirit. But when you serve, it changes your heart. Your spirit's transformed in a moment, that's supernatural. Your heart is softened over time. Through serving others, it's a natural progression of a changed life. Go from, I, I don't have to serve, I get to serve. When God changes your heart and you see humanity that needs to be served, if it doesn't do something to your heart, you may not have gotten saved. Listen to this, it ought to fire you up. Romans 12, 12 11, he says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. How? Serving the Lord. How do we serve the Lord? We serve his people. Remember when you got saved and you couldn't get, get, wait to get to church and you signed up for everything? I love meeting people at Life Group Launch because we're doing that in a few weeks. We have our Life Group Launch upstairs and 40-something groups are going to gather all over the region for the next nine, 10 weeks. And I love new people that just got saved because, man, they're signing up for every group. I won't be in Daphne's group. Okay, that's an awesome group. I'm also going to Aqua's group. 
And then there's a, there's a jazzercise group I heard about. And then Pastor Tom's got this group. I'm like, dude, what you, do you have a job? Like how, how many groups can you go to? Like there's some fervor and zeal. And then some people, they go through next steps and we give them the list of, hey, here's the opportunities to serve. There's 30-something teams. And we ask you, which team do you want to serve on first? What's your first priority? What's your second priority? Where's your third? And you see these lists. It's like, man, they've checked everything under the moon. I want to run a camera while changing a baby and sing at the same time. I love that. What is that? That's an indication of a changed heart. That's the indication of someone who's really gotten saved that's been found and says, man, now that I've been found, I want to make this happen for somebody else. That softens our heart. And so let me say this to you. Maybe you've been out of a season of serving. Ask the Lord to speak to you about where you should be in this season. Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York. He said, I often hear pastors complaining And they'll say stuff like, I work my fingers to the bone in this church, and what thanks do I get? He said, is that the way it is? You served because you wanted thank you? Are you in your right mind? And then he goes on to drop this truth bomb. He says, servanthood begins where gratitude and applause end. Servanthood, I will say that again. Servanthood begins where gratitude and applause end. I would like to be appreciated. Listen, we're not, we're not doing this to be appreciated here on the other side, man. We're going to look at your crown and look at the way you're dressed. The Bible says you're going to be clothed with your faithfulness. We'll be able to look at you and say, dude, that guy was faithful during the church age. Look at all the stuff he's wearing. He's adorned with all this stuff. And for some of us, it's going to be like, dude, don't look this way. Some people in eternity are going to be walking around. They have a little weenie bikini on. And you're going to be embarrassed and we're going to laugh. We're going to say, wasn't faithful during the church age. Now go get some clothes on. I didn't say this, by the way. That's what the word says. It says that we'll be able to see who is faithful to serve others based on the way they're dressed and clothed in eternity. And the crowns and the jewels in their crown will display their faithfulness. We're not doing it because we have to. We serve because we want to. Listen to this, and I'll I'll wrap up here. International Family Church was never built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. One of the character traits that's marked this church, and will continue to mark this church, by the way, is the incredible team spirit of the many people who make up IFC. Let me say it this way. No one person built this church. No two people built this church. No one family built this church. Turn around and look to your left and to your right and behind you and say thank you. Just say thank you. Because our collective giving, our collective serving, we together, guess what? We are the church. The church is not a building at 99 Concord Street. It's each and every one of us as saved people serving other people every day, everywhere we go. And nobody can take that from us. So why serve? You get to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And I, I said all that to say, I want to invite you to something. It's March 4th from 9 to 2 p.m., 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're going to do our first ever Dream Team Conference right here. And it's first and foremost for those that are on teams. Would you give it up for all those that are already on teams? Yeah. 
over 400 people at IFC that call this church home and partners of this house, they serve in a capacity on a team, over 400. But there's a whole group of new people that have come and maybe some of you have come back after COVID. I wanna invite you to come and hear the heartbeat for why we serve a little bit more in depth of what we're talking about today. And I wanna invite you to be a part of a team. As I said a few minutes ago, we have over 30 teams. Not all of them happen on Sundays, most of them do. We have teams of behind the scenes people. We got teams of people that love being up front. We got kids coming out of our ears at IFC. From the newest born all the way up to college students. Man, we have so many opportunities. I was thinking about Daphne and Allen's this morning. Faithful people who are working with one of the most troubled ages. They're, they're with the preteens, guys. They're the ones that are able to answer all the questions you don't want to answer. And man, what happened was a group of people that Daphne and Allen's recruited together came and said, this is important. This is important that these students hear the word of God for this age and can hear it on their level. Guess what? Upstairs this morning, man, there's so many people that are packed in that room like sardines receiving the gospel today because there's a team of people that said, we, we want to serve. And so I said all that to say, if you're on a team, please make it a priority to be with us. Talk to your team leader about how to register. And if you're not on a team, Go to our website, intlfamilychurch.com and just sign up for the Dream Team. Dream Team Conference. There's going to be food. I love food, so we're going to eat. Breakfast and lunch. We're going to have some workshops. I'm going to share some vision. I'm going to give a bunch of stuff away. We like giveaways, so if you want some free stuff, come be, and I want to invite you to come be a part of that. Amen? Hey, would you stand with me? I want to make one more final announcement before Pastor Mo comes. He's going to close the service and give you a little bit more instruction. I'm going to go to the cafe, have a cup of coffee. If you haven't met me or if I haven't met you, uh, come up to the cafe. I would love to meet you. But I want to just make an announcement. A longtime partner and staff member of IFC went home to be with Jesus this week. Mr. Ken Polk is dancing in eternity this morning uh, with Jesus. Ken was a diligent, um, cheerful, joyous man. If you ever knew Ken, he was just the kindest man you could meet. Uh, Ken came to the church decades ago. He's been in all kinds of roles here for, for many years. He handled um, the, the oversight of the project management. We bought this building to help us build it out and get everything set up so we could have church here. For over 20 years, he served in our bookkeeping office. For the last seven plus years, he's been over all of our facilities. He's, he's been like the man. Anybody that doesn't have an answer, go ask Ken. That was the buzz around the office. And the truth is, is what I'm finding, that wasn't just the buzz in this building. That was the buzz in our community. Everybody loved this man. For some of you, you met Ken when he picked you up on the bus many years ago. He was our bus driver. And for some of you, you found Christ because a faithful servant said, I'll come early. I'll get the bus ready. Drive in the cold to pick up those people that need Jesus. He wasn't only a servant in this house and at his job. He was also a servant in his home. Uh, we were going to remember him as a valued colleague, a friend, a valued member of this community. And so I'm asking you to pray for the Polk family uh, as they're processing the loss of husband, father, grandfather, great-grandfather. Kenny, I love you. We're with you. We're standing with your family. And we're rejoicing with you. I'd like to ask you to come be a part of this. We're going to celebrate his life this Friday. Uh, 224, it's going to be at Coda Funeral Home. 
We'll have all the information on the website and social media. It's right here in North Reading from 4 to 8 p.m. If you'd come, the family would love to see you. Come pay your respects. And then next Saturday, right here at IFC, I'd love to see this building full on Saturday the 25th, 11 a.m. We're going to have a celebration of life service for Mr. Ken, and we're going to have a joyous time. And so if you knew Ken or you had any interaction with Ken and his family, I would ask that you come and be with us next Friday and Saturday. Hey, God bless you. I love you so much. Pastor Moe.